Amen. You can grab a seat. Uh, we're going to jump right in this morning because we've got a ton, a ton, a ton of content to cover. If you think about what we're talking about with orphans, Orphan Sunday, the concept of adoption, the way that we would in, uh, love or, or somehow care for those that are in that position, uh, you will quickly see as you read through the scriptures that that is not um, a small subject. That's not a, a every now and again subject. That is a central topic to scripture. And so uh, if we're just going to take one day on it, and, and we won't really, but if we take today to focus on it, uh, we got to get going. So my name is Ben, one of the pastors here. If you've got a copy of the scriptures, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. Romans chapter 8, really verse 15, just that one verse. Um, feel free to turn or tap your way there. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we'd love to give you one. And please don't panic. We'll have those words on the screen for you. But when you come into something like this, um, you, you hit an extreme on either end. Uh, I don't know that there's too much that can make you more broken than the plight of the orphan. But I also don't think there are many higher heights, any, any more more golden heights than the concept of adoption in Scripture. And so, forgive me, but if we go low, we're also going to go high. Let's, let's start with low. The numbers, when you think about the orphan crisis worldwide, are heartbreaking. There are over 100 million children in the world who meet one definition of orphan, meaning they've lost at least one parent. That parent is dead. There are over 18 million children who are double orphans in the sense that both of their parents are dead. Add to that the number in the millions of kids who have lost parents not to death, but because those parents have been incapacitated as parents through neglect or incarceration or fill in the blank. I mean, I'm just saying numbers and all you're hearing is just gobbledygook because the millions and millions, you can't conceive that. The book that I was reading and I'd encourage you to go out, get it. You can get it on Amazon super cheap and they'll have it in your mailbox in like a day, but... The Barna Group puts out these little booklets called Frames. There's one on the orphan crisis. Most of these numbers are going to come from that book. I'd encourage you to get it. But he, he highlights in that book, and it's just true, how orphans are the most vulnerable people on the planet. Here's some numbers. Not only do they suffer from malnourishment, they are also most targeted for both slavery and trafficking in sex trade. 2002 studies show that three-quarters of Ethiopian domestic workers were orphans, without the option to quit, who worked 11 hours a day with no days off. What's another word for that? Orphans in Moldova, think Eastern European, uh, are 10 times more vulnerable to trafficking than other children. In Zambia, half of the children who are prostitutes, children who are prostitutes, are orphans. In Florida, 70% of children 
who are trafficked are victims, uh, are, are child trafficking victims, are coming through the foster care system. The book talks about people that will wait at courthouses because they know who are foster care kids and they try to capture those kids on their way out. Lure them into this sexual slavery. In New York, 75% of children who are commercially exploited for sex had spent time in foster care. That's America. You go beyond the physical safety of the individual child. You think about the need that every kid has, that a parent, that that parent relationship, that parent individual, whether it's biological parent, adoptive parent, grandparent, neighbor, person who steps in to say, I'm yours now. What does that person give to a child? You give to a child a sense of identity. We talk about Jesus. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he kind of, as he's coming to a conclusion, talks about you build your house on something. You build your house on the sand, you build your house on the rock. You build your house on the rock, then you can stand up to storms. But if who you are is built on a shifting foundation, and these kids don't have somebody to tell them, not only about Jesus, but to give them something more sturdy than just blowing around this concept of self-worth you are wanted you may not think your parents are cool but you have a deep level assurance that somebody wants you think about the guidance that parents give whether it's good guidance or not there's a way forward you think about how your parents give you joy whether they're wonderful people or at least they expose you to wonderful things in the world. You go on vacations, you go on on mountaintops, you go eat lovely food, get your face painted, jump on a carnival ride, do something. Somebody just show you that the world is not all bleak and broken. That the word hope is not meaningless. And you think about the essential need that every individual has and you start to worry even about your own kids who have parents. You think about the amount, the enormity of the job that you've taken upon yourself as parent. You're not sure if you can do it or not. How much more these children who don't even have the attempt? No, the need is immense. And yet, how many times this week have you thought about orphans? This is a bit of a cheap shot, but is it? We put these in your chairs, these little pictures. A bit of a cheap shot. Is it? Why don't we think about the orphan? Well, it's too painful to think about. It's too rough and hard to think about. You just weep over it for days. You think about the, one of the stories in that book. This guy was talking about being in an, uh, an Indian, in, in India, Indian orphanage. And this toddler, this blind toddler, as he goes to put her back in her crib, he can still feel the pull of her fingernails on his neck. Don't set me down. How do you deal with that? How do you sleep at night? Knowing that that kind of suffering is going on in the world. Well, you do what I do. You just don't think about it. You try to put it away somewhere. 
You assume that better people are working on it. You know that such a job is just too big. You console yourself by saying, well, I can't really affect 80, 18, hundreds, millions. And this guy, he says it really well in that book. He says, children need love, nurture, and belonging, or they're emotionally going to shrivel. This sticks us with a painful dilemma. Millions of children lack families, yet what they most need cannot be purchased and delivered in bulk. Each one requires loving, long-term relationship. Not only are the numbers beyond count, but the individual kids need so much. You can't just write a check. Today, we're asking you to give $55 so that when somebody takes this leap, the financial barrier is removed, but making money and just writing checks isn't enough. These kids need parents. And what does it mean to be a parent? It means unlimited. So we can't think about it. We just don't think about it. And yet the scripture doesn't leave us there. Hosea 14.3 Our God, to the work of our hands in you, the orphan finds mercy. Psalm 68.5 Father of the fatherless. Isaiah 1.17 Justice to the fatherless. Look at the learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. James 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You can't fall down in Scripture without hitting four or five verses about the vulnerable. God's love for, protection for, the vulnerable. And who is more vulnerable than the orphan? So, what do we do? What do we do? There's lots of practical things you can do to impact this crisis. We're going to highlight a couple, but that's not really the number one need of Hope Church this morning. Because if you wanted to impact it, you can Google it. Like, it's not difficult to get information. It's 2019. What we need instead is the motive. Because the love that will be required by these kids is unlimited. So where do you plug into unlimited love in order to give love to kids? Why is it that the Christian should be especially concerned with adoption? Romans 8 verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There it is. He's bringing together the whole of the Bible in this verse. Slavery and fear or adoption Adoption and Father. He's got two options, and we would give you these two options. I think the world has presented you with these two options, and they're extreme. 
on the one hand is slavery and fear. What do we mean by that? Well, in your chair, among the, the literature about the orphans is also, as always, the gospel verse religion card. Why? Because that's what he's talking about here. He is talking about the slavery of religion. Think to yourself, why is it that people at Hope Church have the gall to post ourselves up against every other worldview, every other religion, past, present, and future, and say, this is true. And to the extent that you believe this, you also have the right doctrine. To the extent that you don't, you don't. Why? Because at its core, Christianity says you are saved by grace through faith. Not of your own. It's not of works. You can't boast of it. It's given to you. And every other faith system puts in opposition to that the concept that there's a good. And you do that good or you don't. You do great at that thing, that set of principles, this list of rules, you achieve it well or you don't. And you're either going to be rewarded or you're not. And you know what that is described as by Scripture? You can say Paul, and yeah, it was written by Paul, but we believe it was written by the Holy Spirit, that Paul was being stewarded by, he was being inspired by God himself. This is God's word to us. Any other system wherein you work to earn salvation, you know what God calls that? Slavery. And what is the characteristic of the slave? Fear. Did I do enough? Will I be accepted? When will the punishment come and at what level? And he found us there and instead has given us a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So as low as we can go in our attempts to earn God's favor and earn God's reward, accepting some kind of slavery and fear, you can, on the other end, go as high as possible with the gospel when you receive the idea that you are being given the name son through adoption. And think about the picture. It's so beautiful. And the, the way that we see with foster care and adoption locally, nationally, internationally, today gives you a great understanding of it. This kid doesn't know you from Adam, and then you just show up. And for reasons best known to yourself, you say to this kid, you're mine. And I'm yours. You get my name and you get everything else. It's ridiculous, but my kids in our house say my all the time. It's not theirs. Every pink little blanket and little stuffy is mine. I own the house. I own the stuff. It's mine. It's all mine. And they say mine. They say my car, our car. It's not their car. They can't operate it. They didn't pay for it. It's not theirs. Why do they have this instinctive idea? They can just go in the cabinet and start stealing our food. Why? Because it is theirs. They're my family. 
And you would do that. You would give that relationship to somebody so far. This is what God has done. God has said, you are my sons by adoption. Something had to happen. It wasn't just God's grace. It was God's grace, but he had to do it somehow. Your sin had to be addressed. And yet, we'll get to that in a second. Here's what happens when you become his son. You are adopted in Christ. Meaning, Jesus' sonship with the Father is unique. But because of what he did on the cross, we can be adopted into God's family through Christ. So that what God has said to Christ, he also says to us as adopted sons. Meaning, honor, access, and safety. Quickly, honor. This is what God says to Christ. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He gives them the honor of having his name. You have in Christ the honor of being his. Having his name. Oh, we got, we got to keep moving. But if you would just let that sit for a second, try to make up your own illustrations for that. Think about the fact that we have access to the Father as his adopted children. What does it say? He says, Abba. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Why? Maybe you know this before. It's a popular thing to think about, but nobody thinks about it enough, so I'm going to say it too. That word, Abba, comes from the Aramaic way of mangling the word, Dad. Think about what our babies do. They do the same thing. Babies who can't talk well don't say dad, certainly don't say father. What do they say? Dad, dad. And when they're real little and they're just getting going, they just keep going. Dad, 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 dad. You've seen them do it, spit rolling down their face and they've got their toes up in their mouth somehow. They're so fat, but they're so flexible. And they can't talk, but they're, they're first, one of their first concepts of self and the world is this relationship. I mean, a, a baby, you put yourself into what a baby's head is like, what a baby's brain is like, and all they've got, they've got very few things, they've got very few concepts. Their understanding of self is not like well thought out. And in that very blank space, they've got self to some degree, and they've got dad. Dad, 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 dad. In Aramaic, you said father was A-V, sort of. A-B, sort of. Ab. But an Aramaic baby didn't say Ab. He said Ab, Bob, 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 Abba, Ab, Bob, 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 Bob. Do you see what is being said here? Do you see the familiarity? Do you see the intimacy that's being invited here? That God would say, you can say to him, Holy One, if you understood his holiness, you would be so much more amazed by this. Holy one would say to you to say to him, Abba. Access. What do we mean by access? Here's the illustration. It's so good. It's from a guy named Tim Keller. You just go read his stuff. It's way better than mine. And he says, God, when he calls you, he tells you to call him Abba, is inviting you to the kind of access that we would never understand. Who has the right to ask you for water at 2 a.m. It's not your friends. Your friend calls you and asks you to bring them a glass of water at 2 a.m. What are you going to say to that friend? No! 
Don't ever call me again. Lose this number. We're no longer your assumption of, of inter- No. What would your spouse get if they poked you in the middle of the night and said, Hey, baby, <laughs> give me a glass of water. No. <laughs> your legs work with the exact distance, with the exact same distance from the water. Why do I? No. Maybe if you had a good day together, you would begrudgingly say, mm-hmm, and then you go get some water. <laughs> but with my kids, they don't even have to get up. Just from their room weekly. Dad. And what do I do? I have to lumber out of my bed and walk in there and try not to step on stuff. Yes. I got some water. Yes, baby. In the Keller illustration, he says, who has the right to ask a king for water at 2 a.m.? Just the child. The access that you're being invited into because of the love that he has for you, because of what he's done for you in Christ. Honor, access, and, and absolute safety. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16, can a woman forget her nursing child? Can a woman forget the child she is nursing? That she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even if she does forget, yet God will not forget. He will never forget. His love for you is greater than her love for her nursing child. Why? This is written hundreds of years before the time of Christ. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. God saying to his people, even if a nursing mother forgets her own baby, and that would never happen, yet I will never forget you because I have engraved your names on the palms of my hands. What's he talking about? It is an adopted father that we're talking about here. Our sonship before God is not some pre-always in no uh, non-negotiable fact of existence. We have a sinful nature. We are fallen. We are separated from him. We are adopted back into his family because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus who was and is only begotten son of God who on the cross for the first time does not call God father. Look it up. Instead of calling God Father on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus accepting hell so that we can have heaven. Jesus being made God's enemy so that the enemies can be made God's children. Do you see it? Nope. But if you'll keep looking, eventually you'll start to see it. Memorize those verses. Romans 8.15. Memorize those verses. Abba, Father. Spirit of adoption, by which we can call him Abba, Father. As you let that soak in your head and in your heart, you're going to understand the kind of limitless love that's been given to you, the kind of love that you're supposed to introduce your children to, Kids can't stay with mommy and daddy love. Eventually, it's got to turn into God love. Why? Because that beautiful relationship you have with your kids is going to go away. They turn into teenagers or you go away. 
You have to at some point introduce them to a true stability. Not just mom and dad's love, but God's love. And we are given the obligation and joy to take that love to all. Especially the most vulnerable. How do you have the kind of love that it takes to love those kind of kids that way? People that are not your people that you call your people? What are the two commands that God gives to us above all things? He puts all of the law into two commands. What are they? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Yourself. The only illustration we have for that in our culture is children. You make a covenant to your wife, you should love her like that, but you don't. You do love your kids like that. That kind of covenant love where God puts his name on you and says whatever it takes. That's the love that he's given us in the gospel. And that's the love that will flow through us when we receive it by faith. It becomes the love that defines us. When we receive it and it starts to flow through us, it becomes this river of love. And it's possible for you to love a kid that's going to absolutely require everything you got. And I know that all of you are not going to go out and adopt kids, but I hope that some of you will. And I do hope that all of you are going to take these home and put them on your fridge and start praying for these kids daily. So that God would warm your heart up by remembering his adoption of you, but also warm your heart up towards these kids. I do hope that some of you will make that little $55 donation so that finances are never a barrier for somebody else to adopt. And when, not if, when God begins to warm your heart and stir it up for the orphan and you start thinking about how you can give to foster care and adoption, not just financially, but with your whole self, step one would just be to talk to people at Hope that have already done it. David and Rhonda Edmonds have pursued a, a local, national, through the foster care, adoption. Dan and Ashley Jenkins have pursued an international adoption. Just take them aside and start asking them questions. We as a church have just jumped into this thing called the Care Portal, which means that whenever a foster family needs something, they can go online and submit that need to the Care Portal, and then they'll tell us, and then we'll race to try and get it done before some other group jumps on it and provides for them. And the reason is not because they absolutely need it and nobody else will do it. The reason is so that we can have the opportunity to serve those who are going through this. Man, I just, I cannot overstate and I hope that you're beginning to feel how magnificent God's love is for you. And as you feel it, not so that you'll feel it, but as you feel it, that you'll commit yourselves, your lives, your homes, your vehicles, your very hearts to those who are most in need. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would impact the orphan crisis through your church. The facts are just there. You are doing that. You're doing that all over the world. You're doing that all over the country. And yet, Hope Church is just beginning that journey. By your grace, we've seen those who have already adopted here. 
and we praise you for their leadership, but we ask that you would broaden out our hearts, that you would not lay upon us a heavy obligation, but that you would broaden out our hearts by melting them with the love that you have given us so that we're so full, we're looking for places to pour out that love. And these foster kids that are going to need just untold hours and untold patience will find in the people of Hope Church not just love, but love divine. Pray these things in your son's holy name.